Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from Aegis Living. To prepare mom for next steps in life, families know that care means more than trained professionals. It's knowing mom is active, making friends, and happy. That's Aegis Living. Short-term respite stays now available. AegisLiving.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Meteorologists call it an atmospheric river. A barrage of especially wet storms is striking California this week, prompting concerns about widespread mudslides, debris flows, and flooding, especially in areas that burned in last year's wildfires. Some 5,000 people have been ordered to evacuate in the Santa Cruz Mountains and North Coast. In Big Sur, parts of Highway 1 are expected to be closed until Thursday. To the east, the National Weather Service has issued a blizzard warning in the Sierra region through the end of this week. The U.S. Forest Service Center has also issued an avalanche warning for many backcountry mountain areas. The Tahoe Basin is expected to get between 5 to 10 feet of snow this week. Let's turn from bad weather to politics. Many Californians were surprised when this week Governor Gavin Newsom announced he was lifting the state's stay-at-home order. But a lot of state legislators, including allies of Newsom, were also surprised. They say it's part of a pattern that's emerged with this governor. He announces sweeping policy changes without consulting or even giving a heads up to his fellow elected officials. KQED's Katie Orr reports. It's not unusual for legislators to have gripes about the governor, even when they're from the same party. But it is surprising when those complaints spill into public view. That's what happened earlier this week when several lawmakers openly complained on Twitter about learning Newsom was relaxing COVID-19 restrictions via social media rather than from the governor's office. Assemblyman Chad Mays, the only independent in the legislature, says many of his colleagues are tired of feeling like they've been left out of the loop. There is this very, very real frustration, not just amongst Republicans, Um, but also amongst Democrats in the legislature that the administration has not done a good job of reaching out to them um, to be able to communicate with them on the decisions that are being made. It's not just about Newsom's abrupt lifting of the stay-at-home order. Tensions have been simmering for a while. Lawmakers have skewered Newsom's Employment Development Department for mismanaging unemployment claims during the pandemic. They've also complained the governor was making decisions unilaterally while the legislature was in recess because of COVID. May says lawmakers have a right to be informed and included. The legislature is a co-equal branch of government, and the Newsom administration has really sidelined the legislature as it's uh, related to the pandemic. 
Democratic consultant Robin Swanson says Newsom risks losing support for key proposals, like the budget, if he doesn't improve his relationship with lawmakers. Luckily for him, Swanson says, Newsom recently hired a senior staffer with a long history in the legislature. I think that the governor is going to need to rely on those relationships and really strong communication with those members to move his agenda forward. Still, Swanson acknowledges Newsom is facing some unprecedented challenges right now. San Francisco Senator Scott Weiner agrees. The governor is drinking water from a fire hose and has been uh, for a couple of years now between a, a once-in-a-century pandemic, an economic collapse, record-setting wildfires, a collapsing utility in PG&E, and so forth. Weiner says there are always times when communication could be better, but he says it's healthy and normal for there to be tension between governors and lawmakers. For his part, Newsom claimed he wanted to make the decision quickly, no time to tell everyone. Whether or not lawmakers accept that explanation or look for ways to reassert themselves will become more clear in the coming weeks. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. California is revamping its coronavirus vaccine delivery system. Part of that includes prioritizing people by age rather than occupation. That means where certain people fall in the vaccination line is changing, including some essential workers. Now several groups are desperately trying to maintain their priority status. As KCRW's Daryl Satzman reports. For weeks, labor unions like the powerful Service Employees International Union have been pressing state and local officials to provide vaccinations to their members as quickly as possible. As vaccine eligibility shifts, other groups are making pleas too. Los Angeles County's presiding judge has asked the county's top health official for help in speeding up COVID vaccinations for 5,000 court employees. The judge says it's necessary to keep courts running smoothly and safely. Meanwhile, the L.A. City Council passed a resolution to show its support for legislation that would prioritize essential port employees for immunization. The resolution says ports are an economic linchpin of the regional and national economies. That's KCRW's Daryl Satzman. Although the state is transitioning to an age-based eligibility system, officials say workers in sectors like health care, education, child care, and agriculture still have priority at the moment. Let's turn to law enforcement. Earlier in this week, we told you how California's Department of Justice has launched a civil rights probe targeting the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. But L.A. County supervisors were already looking for ways to fire Sheriff Alex Villanueva, accusing him of mismanagement, a lack of transparency, and not taking deputy abuse incidents seriously enough. Yesterday, the supervisors got a report from the Los Angeles County Council's office about how Villanueva could be removed from office. KPCC's Robert Garova has more. County Council said there are four possibilities to remove the elected sheriff. One would be to amend the county charter. Another would be a voter recall. A third option would involve a civil grand jury accusing Villanueva of misconduct. And the last option would be for the attorney general to challenge the sheriff's right to continue to hold office. Supervisor Holly Mitchell said working to increase oversight is an important part of ensuring sheriff accountability. However, this will never be enough without good faith cooperation and collaboration from a sheriff. And in the absence of that, I believe we have a responsibility to act. 
but it's unclear if the supervisors will act. The board accepted the county council's report, but none of the supervisors offered a motion for further steps. Sheriff Villanueva called in and denounced what he called political attacks and spin. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles. It's tough to fire sheriffs because sheriffs are independently elected by voters. Facing criticism for its slow vaccine rollout, California is launching a long-promised website to help people schedule their COVID-19 shots faster and more easily. KQED science reporter Leslie McClurg explains. It's called My Turn. You can go online now to register. The system will notify you when you're eligible for a shot. Beginning in February, those who qualify can begin booking appointments. Yolanda Richardson is the secretary of the Government Operations Agency. We want to make sure that nothing slows down the administration of vaccine other than the pace in which vaccine arrives in the state. Until now, vaccine data has been scattered over 58 counties. Most on-the-ground distribution so far has been left up to local health departments. As a result, people have had to find information on their own through internet searches, hospitals, and even supermarkets. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. A street team in Bakersfield is working to educate people experiencing homelessness about the pandemic, including misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. Valley Public Radio's Mari Bolaños reports. On this cloudy morning in northeast Bakersfield, Dr. Matthew Baer walks along a narrow trail of damp fallen leaves to a small homeless encampment. Melissa, you doing all right? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. All right, COVID negative. They told you? No. They didn't tell you. Well, I'm telling you. Congratulations. <laughs> Bear tells his patient, Melissa, that she's tested negative for the novel coronavirus. It's her second negative test. In addition to administering COVID-19 tests, the team provides medical check-ins, food, prescribed medication when needed, and syringe exchanges. When the pandemic first hit, Bear says they paused their weekly visits to figure out how they could continue without exposing staff or patients to the virus. You're talking about a population with multiple chronic um, illnesses, a lot of chronic lung disease, a ton of chronic lung disease actually. So when we started finding out the nature of COVID, we thought, oh, for sure, the unsheltered are going to get hit the worst. But he says it was quite the opposite. Initially when we came out, People were really reluctant to even get tested for COVID. Um, and then as, as one person got tested, someone else saw and said, well, hey, can I get tested? And it sort of spread. The doctor says he hasn't seen a single positive test, which means the team can continue to focus on treating the roughly 30 people they see each week. Why did my test results come in? Well, you don't have coronavirus. A woman named Shelly, who chose not to share her last name, receives her fourth negative test result. Shelly lives with her partner in a tent about 10 yards away from others in the encampment. She says it's easy to social distance from the general population, except when she goes to the store. When I go to the store, I get concerned. I put on my mask and everything, try to protect myself, yeah, hand sanitizer. But there's a lot of other beliefs going on about that. There are also beliefs circulating about the COVID-19 vaccine. Shelly says she won't take it based on the research she's done online. It changes your DNA. Some people could die from it. Um, if I had a PhD, I could explain it better. But medical experts, including Bear, say it won't change your DNA. Shelly remains skeptical, but she says she might consider it if Bear recommended it to her. 
but I would want to see every tiny ingredient in that type of shot. In a situation like this, Bear says he tries to educate about the safety of the vaccine and compare the risk versus the benefit. But he says he understands why the unsheltered population might be hesitant. There's a lot of different reasons people might refuse the vaccine, right? For someone who's lived in this situation, there's probably a huge distrust of systems. And at this point, they can't even offer the vaccine, Bear says. Until then, the team is working on preemptive measures like treating ongoing medical conditions, getting the most susceptible people housing, and building trust. Due to the success of the street medicine effort, Dr. Bear says they've started a second team in Bakersfield, and the clinic hopes to start another one in Fresno. For the California Report, I'm Madi Bolaños in Fresno. Another day, another story about California's troubled employment development department. A report out from the California State Auditor has found that the state agency charged with sending out unemployment checks is still not doing enough to get out of work Californians their money. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has more. According to the audit, the Employment Development Department's call centers still aren't functioning efficiently, despite the agency hiring more than 5,500 new staffers. Also likely holding up claims is ID.me, the verification system that has become one of EDD's main gatekeepers against fraud. In the first two months of ID.me's use, the audit says, 20% of the estimated number of legitimate applicants who tried to verify their identities were unsuccessful. Inefficiencies across ADD's systems are triggering a backlog that is functionally much larger than what the agency is currently reporting. The audit comes a day after EDD confirmed it has paid out at least $11 billion worth of fraudulent unemployment benefits since the beginning of the pandemic. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. And one final news note this morning. Southern California Edison has agreed to pay $2.2 billion to settle insurance claims stemming from the 2018 Woolsey fire here in Southern California. An investigation determined Edison's equipment sparked the blaze, which killed three people and destroyed more than 1,600 homes and other structures. Edison doesn't acknowledge wrongdoing as part of the deal. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, January 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash Adapting Care. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com and water heaters only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. 
If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!